Okay, we have another episode. Uh, today we're going to talk about Hawaii. Uh, today we have Puaena. Puaena. Am I pronouncing yep. that? Please correct me. <laughs> yeah, pu Puaena. Puaena. Okay, thank you. Uh, so, can you please introduce yourself and tell me, or tell everybody what we're going to talk about today? Thank you. Okay, uh, aloha kako. My name is Puaena Papaulehua Pukawa. Um, for those of you who are going to hear this episode, yes, these are ancestral names that I'm uh, that I am invoking, um, and I am here primarily because I had come across uh, this podcast and and I heard on multiple episodes that Hawaii was brought up, and I looked through it and um, and I was looking to see what has anybody from Hawaii come on, like, and, you know, reaching out, like, hey, like, you want to talk about Hawaii? Um, so mainly, I today, what we want to start with is the most pressing and urgent and imminent issue that's going on in Hawaii right now, and which is the fuel leaks at Red Hill. Um, Red Hill is, um, the Hawaiian name for the area is uh, Kapukaki, and what it is, it's uh, several, like, very, very large, massive fuel tanks that have been leaking fuel for years into the aquifer. And more recently, it's made national, international news that these leaks have made it into the drinking water. And, and uh, yeah, uh, Rick, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate that you, uh, that you answered when I reached out to you. <laughs> And no problem. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I, I always tell people, you know, if I say something that's, you know, wrong or, you know, or maybe it's just correction to reach out. And I, and I appreciate that you did. I, I I try to have other, as we talked about this previously, other days, I try to have people on the, right. on the podcast about Hawaii, but they got real busy. And then the Mauna Kea, Mauna Kea uh, situation happened right. in 2019. And I was just like, mm -hmm. I, you know, like, I, I don't want to bombard people with like, please come on the podcast, you know, you know, so, you know, there was more pressing matters at that time. So thank you for being on. Yeah, totally. Um, I do want to say though, you know, like it really, it, I, I mean, I don't really think you took it like this, but it wasn't really my intent to, to get at you and be like, Hey, you're wrong about this, this, and this. It was like, I really saw an opportunity to finally be part of the conversation just because, you know, lately I've been, and listening to a lot of podcasts and watching streams and all kinds of stuff on YouTube and you know I found myself like really wanting to be a part of these conversations and especially where here and there I see Hawaii people you know actually being part of like communist and socialist conversations like hey man I want to talk to somebody you know <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll talk about that too uh you know, uh, decolonization of Hawaii, and we have a whole list here, you know, and what, what yeah. how, you know, the military occupation, uh, uh, colonization of Hawaii, and I, I, yeah, and I look forward to this conversation. Um, so, you know, I want to go back a little bit about Red Hill, and the reason, I, you know, this is right. really important, and I do want to bring up the example we brought up before the show, um, you know, mm -hmm. it was kind of similar to what's going on Red Hill. When I used to be in the Navy, and there was certain, right. there's more than one time when there was uh, the fuel, I don't know how it happened, but the fuel got into the water supply. And when we drink water from the water fountains, it will come out smelling like gasoline, you know, or like, you know, jet fuel. And, and you know, it would taste like 
like and you know like it was really hard to drink water that tasted like like you know jet fuel and uh it was, it was so bad to the point where that you know they made an announcement the captain that the water was good enough to drink you know it just smells strong but i was just like i'm not drinking this water but it, to me you know it shows that the military doesn't doesn't even give a damn about uh its own personnel you know let alone right. um local you know indigenous hawaiians with a water supply and they have a history of this so can you talk about red right. hill yeah thank you okay so just recently is when um this issue has got become so big and such a problem that the navy can't deny it anymore um like this, this has been this has literally been going on for years and people have been talking about this for years and um Let's see, let me pull up, I, just to make sure that I had all my facts right, because I haven't been, I haven't been um, immediately and directly involved in, in resisting this and taking up the issue, like, um, the Oahu Water Protectors and, like, Sierra Club on, on Oahu are, are some of the folks who are really spearheading this. I, I don't live on Oahu at all anymore. And, um, and yeah, so this is uh, on some level, this is my attempt to at least, you know, do my part in, you know, spreading awareness and, and whatnot. So let's see here. Um, so for about 80 years, and I'm looking at, let's see, this is a water security fact sheet from Sierra Club. Uh, um, about 200 million gallons of fuel have been stored in, in underground storage tanks in uh, the Red Hill area since, since just after December 7th, you know, 1941, the Japanese attack and, and whatnot. Um, so that's nearly, that's nearly 80 years. And most recently, there was a leak in March of last year, and that was about... 7,700 gallons uh, in, oh, sorry, that was March of 2020. In May of 2021, there was a leak of 1,600 gallons. In July 2021, there was a 100-gallon leak. In November of 2021, there was a 14,000-gallon uh, 14, 14, leak. And even back in 2014, there was 27,000. So... I think this totals out to approximately 180,000 gallons of fuel has leaked into the aquifer on Oahu. Now, mind you, this particularly this particular aquifer is one of is one of the main aquifers for the island of Oahu. Now, something to also think about, like poisoning the well, is never good in any situation, you know, but when you think about Hawaii, what people need to kind of understand is that, yes, these are these relatively tiny islands in the middle of the ocean. And so we really are an oasis of sorts because these are literally bubbles of fresh water that sit in the middle of the largest ocean on the face of the earth. And so water here, I mean, we heard it during Standing Rock, you know, water is life. It's really, really true. Like here without without our fresh water source, you, we, you will die. We will we will. All die <laughs> um, and like to the extent that we're like our ancestors are you know Kanaka Maoli, Native Hawaiians 
we value well, water fresh water was considered the pretty much the absolute most valuable thing period like our word for wealth is vai vai like the word for water is vai our word for wealth is vai vai so that kind of gives you an indication of how important water is you know in general <laughs> And for for you know has I know recently the the Navy admitted the um, you know the, the 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 gas leaks, but have they said they're going to clean up the aquifer or any other anything they're going to do? So most recently, they have agreed to shut down the well. I mean, uh, sorry, shut down like pause, shut down. Um, I am not really sure whether that they're at, whether they're going to fully fully decommission, and that's what what the calls have been have been going out for. It's like people, like we want those, we want the entire facility shut down like permanently, decommissioned, and the Navy has resisted that. Now, mind you, the the Navy has resisted pretty much everything that the state has been trying that been you know trying to make them do. The Board of Water Supply, in 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 particular. And like the Department of Health had to had to step in, and only finally the the Navy ha has agreed. And you know, if you want the if anybody wants to know like what's going on up to the minute, I highly recommend that you if you're on Twitter on Instagram that you that you follow the Oahu Water Protectors because like the information that I'm that I have that I'm talking about here. Um, there's is constantly there's constantly in development so i'm trying to really just um summarize as much as i can but um definitely follow all water protectors and they you there's that's where there's the real up to the minute stuff okay and uh has, has there been has there been any studies when it when it comes to the health effects of these leaks uh within hawaii uh you know the local population um, as far as really intensive studies, I, you know, I'm really not sure, uh, because I know what I do know is that, um, the, that the Sierra club has been on this issue for some time. And I believe because actually what I'm looking at right now are the, are the findings of fact from the department of health order and complaint that was filed against the Navy um and i'm looking at the findings of fact here because i i know you're a i know you're a, a law guy so um there's a lot of very good information about this or right, give me just a second um while you're looking at the say yeah oh go ahead sorry i don't want to interrupt no no no, no go 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 but you know we have to i i you know i think any you know person would know that uh, just in a side note that Hawaii is occupied, it's like military colonization of Hawaii by the military. We have, you know, uh, I think all four branches of the, of the U.S. military are there, right? Navy, Army, Marines, I think Air Force too. And of course, Force, they, Coast Guard. yeah, so of course they don't want to admit uh, or even move anything, it will jeopardize their their you know operation and and Hawaii is used to you know uh, to monitor their monitor other people in the Pacific like China, you know and right 
So it's, it's like that's there, there's the base to jump off to colonize other people as well as the local Hawaiians. So your thoughts? Right. So on that note, um, so yes, we are illegally occupied. Um, and we will get into this later, but Hawaii was, in fact, the Hawaiian kingdom was a fully independent and recognized nation state um, up until um, January 17, 1893, and we just had the 129th uh, anniversary of the overthrow. Um, but also, n not only, and which is, that's is one of the most, the, the most important singular events in Hawaiian history, but up to today, now, Pearl Harbor and Oahu, I mean, for, aside from the fact that Hawaii is itself one of the most highly, highly militarized areas like on the on the face of the earth especially of, of american with american military installations like the number of individual military in, installations across all branches is is kind of staggering um but this is where um indo-pacific command is stationed it used to just be pacific command but now they changed it to indo-pacific command because there's more of an eye towards towards southeast asia in large part because of the what's going on now with the the new cold war with with china and this is this shift this pivot towards asia has been part of like i think as far back as even obama's foreign policy i believe um i think am i, am I... towards china or just uh yeah i think that that pivot towards asia that was part of obama was that part of um, Obama's foreign policy? I can't remember off the top of my head. I think so. Something like that, right. And um, and so, yeah, like, for example, um, so do you remember just recently when uh, the U.S. finally pulled out of Afghanistan, right? Yes. And there was that drone strike that killed those kids that, that, that made big news um, on, the, on the way out? So those drones are based here. Oh my God! Uh, uh, right, and back when there was, say, like during in the Iraq War era, the Striker Brigade, I believe, was was based here. Um, and and yeah, there's also like the Pacific Missile Range facility where they where they test where they test missiles. Um, uh, God, uh, Pohakalua, Pohakalua training area on the Big Island of Hawaii. Here is where one of the places where they have the RIMPAC exercises every. What is that? Two years, I want to say. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, the list goes on. This is just what I can think of off, off the top of my head, and this includes not even counting <laughs> Schofield, Hickam, Wheeler, Fort Shafter, um, Pearl Harbor. You know, and yeah, it, it goes on and on and on and on. Believe me. And that's I think you know Hawaii's not even their only Pacific um, uh, island base too. We have Guam, which also right. It's right. very heavily occupied. Yeah, totally. I mean, you could even extend that to yeah. There's there's Guam, and then if you go even you, you go even further west, and then it starts getting into uh, like Okinawa and Korea, and you know, like not even to mention like Taiwan. I mean, and it's 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 incredible. Like which like looking at looking at. And like a map of all of the U.S. military bases around the world, like it's 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 abs it's absurd, you know. Very. Um, and what it makes me think of is how people tend to think of 
um, the, the U.S. as being, okay, just like the contiguous 48 and maybe, you know, like Alaska and Hawaii on, you know, in the corners of the map. But people don't really think about it in the broad global sense where it really is, it really is the American empire. And once I started, you know, listening to content and listening to, to folks who refer to it, you know, as like the imperial, in terms of say like the imperial core, the imperial periphery, you know, that was when it really put it into perspective for me, even though I've known all these things about, you know, Hawaiian history and the history of U.S. colonization since the 1800s and, and all that going all the way back, you know. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about that in another episode with that the similarities of colonization yes. of Hawaii towards the main, mainland, because you guys also have dealt with very similar stuff like boarding schools and uh, blood quantum and, and even the conversation of federal recognition or not and uh, the legal government right, right. of Hawaii, all this stuff, you know? And totally, yes. It, 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 there's <laughs> so much of, you know, Hawaiian history yeah. that, that there is that uh, I think people don't, here in the mainland, even though it's part of the U.S., you know, um, it, people in the mainland don't know all this history of Hawaii. And do you wanna, do you wanna touch the next subject of Mauna Kea or do you wanna uh, stay on? Yes, let's, um... Um, I think the last thing that I'm going to say is that, yes, please look up, look up Red Hill, um, hashtag shut down Red Hill, look up um, Oahu Water Protectors. And when we get to the end, we, I will, you know, we can, I'll go back into like a few, um, a few pages and whatnot who are really, who are really covering the issue. This is just, I'm just, we're just touching on this here um, because it's the, the biggest and most important issue that's going on in Hawaii right now. So yeah, let's uh, let's move on to Mauna Kea. Mauna Kea. Oh, okay, where do we begin? So, no, no, no. It's 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 fine. You know, it's <laughs> I've heard worse. Believe me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I I have had the pleasure to visiting Mauna Kea, in two thousand nineteen, right before the um, the big protest happened. I went I went in the spring, and um, can you tell everybody? First off, you know, with the issue with the telescope, but people don't realize there right. are, I think there's are 11 other telescopes other than the other one they want to build, right? Uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, the TMT, the 30 meter telescope would be number 13, I think. Yeah. I, I think, I think that that's at this. Yeah, sorry. It's it, it's been a while since I've looked at those fact sheets and have been uh, have, have been doing like uh, what is it awareness of, and education about that particular issue. Um, so, I guess from from the top, uh, <laughs> the the main issue that came up around Mauna Kea, which is the which is the highest mountain in Hawaii and the Pacific. It's also the, it's actually the tallest mountain in the world when measured from the sea floor, um, and. It sits upon the main aquifer for Hawaii Island. Uh, again, another water issue. Um, the University of Hawaii at, has been trying to build the uh, the 30 meter telescope. Mind you, 30 meters is the size of the mirror, not the actual facility itself. And with a number of other countries, including I want to say Canada, France, Japan, possibly, possibly India. Um, I believe the UC system um, and and other players 
and plus other players, they have been trying to build this massive, massive telescope on on Mauna Kea, and this thing would be it would be monstrous. Now, mind you, in Hawaii County, um, <laughs> you actually can't you know at at sea level. The laws are that you can't really build anything larger or, or higher than like I want like three stories or something like that. Like there are some a couple of buildings here and there that are grandfathered in from before they put that ordinance in. But yeah, you can't even build higher than like like three three four stories on this island. But they want to put like an eighteen story telescope that's like a five acre footprint and and they have to like dig twenty like twenty feet into into the mountain. Like this is like the size of like a stadium, and they want to put that at the very highest point, or on the the highest mountain on the island. It's it's absurd. <laughs> um, so this issue has been going on since, oh, well, I want to say the early two thousands were the very was the very beginning of of resistance to it. Now, mind you, as also like Hawaiians have been resisting these telescopes from day one, and there have been other. There have been other extensions to other telescopes, like the, I want to say the the Keck outrigger, where we and I'm, I mean a general we like Hawaiians were able to stop expansion of that particular telescope. But there's been resist, resistance to these telescopes pretty much since day one, and that's that's something that has been kind of misconstrued out there, like just because there wasn't so, the social media attention or the existence of social media, so there wasn't as much attention on this issue. So people want to have tried to make it out to say that, oh, well, how come you're only complaining about this now? That said, um, it was in 2015 when the, the first protests happened on the mountain and Lanakila Manguel, who who you met actually when you came to, you were telling me you met Lanakila when you came yeah. up here, um, he actually sounded the alarm, and this guy, <laughs> um, Lanakila, actually stormed the the groundbreaking ceremony. And I believe like George Takei was even there, but there was all kinds of like you know like big wigs and and academics and you know people like that. Um, the mayor was there, and whatnot, and he he stormed the. the, the he showed up and, and and interrupted the groundbreaking ceremony in like. In like traditional, like wearing like a malo and like wearing like kapa cloth and looking like he stepped out of like two, three hundred years ago and like no, <laughs> it's great. I mean, people gotta people gotta go look at that their video. It's 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 brilliant. Um, and they and they shut that down. And that was I want to say October of twenty fourteen. And so then come twenty fifteen when. Construction was supposed to start, and that was when um, when the the how would I put it like occupation on the mountain and blockades and and all this kind of stuff. And something that people really need to understand about Mauna Kea as, as an issue and as a historical point in Hawaiian history is that Mauna Kea between 20 and 2015 at the time and 2019 more recently like this has been some of like some of the largest mass mobilization of Hawaiians like in action and and even in 2019 was actually the largest mobilization of police presence in Hawaii perhaps ever 
Um, and so, God, where where can I where can I go with this? Um, there have, there were multiple arrests in 2015, um, and something to note is that in 2015 we set up much higher on the mountain than we did in 2019. Um, we were at about I want to say like um, the Halepohaku Visitor Center is like approximately 9,000 feet I want to say, and the like the summit is roughly fourteen thousand. That that's not an exact number. That's a super ballpark figure. But it was cold, bro. It was cold. The air was thin. But we people were you know like camping out there, camping up there, setting up you know occupation camp, protest camp, and it really it literally started with we were like in hanging out on the side of the road. And the, uh, next to the crosswalk with like a tent full of food and Hawaiians just kind of like hanging out in um, in like camp chairs and bring ukuleles and talking story to the tourists and then it grew it grew and grew to the point where you have like thousand something people and as many you know Department of Land and Natural Resources officers from the state as as they could muster and you know CNN coming and, and all that and then after that, there was contested case hearings because there were all kinds of legal challenges that, that we put up because there were issues with how the state proceeded in issuing permits and giving the notice to proceed and all these things. Um, and so construction was paused until 2019. And then come 2019, um, the word kind of got out. Or actually, the state made the announcement, okay, we're going to do it. And and we're, we're gonna we're gonna bring in construction and that was when uh, a lot of a lot of folks who were on the mountain the first time and then um, all kinds of other people especially especially a lot of our, our academics from from the from UH Manoa um, on, on Oahu all kinds of folks came and we set up at at the base of Pu'uluhulu. Now, Pu'u, the word Pu'u means cinder cone. Now, Pu'uluhulu is at right at the junction between the Saddle Road Highway um, that cuts between Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa that goes through the middle of the island and the intersection of the highway and the Mauna Kea access road that goes pretty much all the way, all the way up um, to, to the summit. And we, we set up camp and it became e even larger than 2015. Sorry, go ahead. Was, is that where the little, like, sh sh I don't know, it was like a little wooden house is that? It was like a little wooden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. that little shed, that little shed um, was like, it's like a, a hunter check-in station and there's like okay. a, and there's also like a, a compost toilet. That's normally all that is, that is there. But there, then there's also like a, an ahu, which is like a stone altar. Um, yeah. And so that's what's really normally there as far as as far as structures and like Pu, uh, the Pu and you folks you saw the 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 cinder cone the hill right um, so pretty much I'm and I, I I'm guessing that you have like probably seen videos of everything that went on um, we main we for, at first we set up camp there um, on that side of the highway but then on the day that the that con supposedly construction was supposed to begin. Um, we we deployed a lockdown team, and and a number of folks locked themselves to the cattle guard in the road, um, 
and 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 DLNR and and sheriffs and police had to had to cut them out. Um, and so from from there was that was where it started on I, I believe that was I want to say that was a Monday, but from there um, then it became there was a line of kupuna or elders who pretty much like set up in in the middle of the road and um, and I want to I almost want to say that a lot of what came from that in the next uh, four or five months really grew around that line of kupunas like mind you this is like elders sitting in camp chairs covered in blankets and sweaters like across the road and mind you we didn't put them up to this like there were accusations about oh you're you're hiding behind your elders and and you know thing things like that but what people really need to understand is that the gen this generation who are now elders these are the people who stood up and like in the 1970s during what we consider to be the the second hawaiian renaissance and who were landing on koholawe and putting their bodies in harm's way to like stop the bombing of koholawe which is a, an entirely different topic that it's a whole you know that's a whole thing itself but so this this generation was like because they saw a lot of like the younger folks um stepping up in in 2015 no and they were like no this is this is on us we're no we're taking the lead on this and you know tactically that was a it was a brilliant it was a brilliant move because you know like optic like both sides were were trying to make sure that we had you know the best optics and it was it was it was it didn't look good for the for the state if if they were to like mistreat you know, elderly people, especially kupunas, you know, I mean, yeah, kupunas are like, are so treasured and valued in Hawaiian culture and local culture. You know, we love our grandparents. And so there was no way that the, that the state was about to rough handle the, uh, or, you know, manhandle or roughhouse with, with these folks. And they, and even when they did come to arrest um, on the day of those, those arrests, like, like they had to be real, real gingerly about it. And that was the particular day where there was like, like I said, like the largest um, mass mobilization of, of law enforcement in pretty much Hawaii's history, actually, especially certainly modern history. I have a question. Sure. Okay, so uh, when I was there and also reading articles, there was this like, mm -hmm. uh, especially from non-natives, uh, or people that supported the telescope, there was this uh, accusation that the local indigenous or the local people, or anybody that that disagreed with the telescope, had an anti-science stance, oh. right? And that was, you know, that, that, I think they they missed the mark, right? What Mauna Kea uh, means to the local indigenous people. Can you talk about? I for one, right. it's, it's a okay. sacred, sacred uh, place. Right. Yes, absolutely. Now, like Mauna Kea is like, if if anything, is probably like the is po is like possibly one of the like singular most sacred places in all of Hawaii. Like that is like the, literally that's our. I mean, if you want to talk in terms of like major world religions, it's our it's our, it's as far as indigenous religion and indigenous spirituality in Hawaii. And I, del I de deliberately use the term religion because of like the legal, the legal ramifications for using that word. Um, but I mean, it's literally our Jerusalem or Mecca or what have you. 
you know, if there's that one singular place, like that is what that really means to Hawaiians because it's the closest to the heavens, which is pretty much the same reason that, um, similar reasons to why astronomy covets that location so much. But as far as the argument that Hawaiians are anti-science, um, you know, the problem with that argument is that trying to, well, for one, well, aside from the fact that it's fucking racist, <laughs> I um, <laughs> right, and, and the whole notion of Western science and how it positions itself and thinks rather highly of itself um, and empiricism and whatnot, um, it's not the matter of science in itself. You know, it's not, we don't have a problem with the scientific method or the periodic table or physics. We're not trying to deny physics or deny, you know, it's the problem is you want to build this monstrosity on top of our most sacred mountain, on top of our aquifer, you know, and one without really consulting, without, without the consent of the Hawaiian people, because ultimately the fact that the University of Hawaii and the state of Hawaii even like are able to claim the authority to allow all these foreign interests and foreign powers, including the United States, because the United States is in itself a foreign interest and foreign power here in occupied Hawaii. Um, that stems all the way back to the overthrow anyway like what is the united why is the united states even doing here and making these calls one and also something that and as an indigenous person i'm sure you, you can appreciate is that our very our very way of being is involves the the careful and studied observation of nature and adaptation to the natural the natural flow of things and natural systems, natural processes, you know, like literally watching the stars without crazy tools and telescopes and all that. I mean, if we want to talk about stargazing, Polynesians and and Pacific Island people have been have been navigating around the have been navigating around the Pacific Pacific and around the oceans using nothing but their eyes for thousands of years. You know, so so don't tell us that we're what we're that we're against the science. You know, um, because that's that it's a it's a it's a lazy and racist argument. You know, I agree. Yeah, and also too, I think when I was in, in Mauna Kea, um, from what I understand, is that it's hard to and tell me if I'm incorrect or, or wrong. It's hard to get the trash down from these observatories of these telescopes, right? So like, and there's pollution and these uh, telescopes bring pollution and then, you know, it, it, it uh, um, attains the water supply, you know, am I wrong or is this correct? Right. Yeah. Right. right. No, 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 that, that, that's right. That's true. Um, so pretty much, you know, all the trash has to get, has to get trucked down. They have to truck water up, you know the the chemicals that are used to clean these telescopes and their mirrors you know like there's as far to my knowledge like there have been chemical spills up there there have been mercury spills you know like it like these telescopes are not suit are not like clean green technology like they want to make it out to be um um and also it's because it's not just it's not just the wear and tear on the environment and like rubbish from from like construction, shall we say, because the construction in itself would have made like the load of rubbish, believe me. But it's also it's it's also the draw of like 
of tourists, you know, all, all the time. Um, there you hear stories about people getting hurt up there or like tourists crashing cars up there. I mean, there's been so many instances where tourists will ignore the warnings and ignore what the rental company says and take cars up there that either that both do have four wheel drive and especially the ones that don't have four wheel drive. And you hear the stories and you we've seen pictures of people's brakes, people's brakes failing and like going off the road or or cars bursting into flames like literally if you go to the Halepohaku visitor center they'll tell you i mean like hey you have to have four-wheel drive there's pictures at the visitor center of like a car on fire on the summit you know <laughs> like, like it's kind of it's funny but but it's it's not because of the environmental impact like one of the other issues about this is the fact that up up at the summit this is um well aside from the so-called like science reserve or whatever is like this is all this is all conservation land this is I mean, this is like a critical habitat for for like invasive species that can like that that can't survive anywhere else like like the big bug like it doesn't exist anywhere else and anywhere else on earth and and even in general like hawaii is one of like the world capitals of biodiversity and, and the endangered species you know and, and and yeah so you know you're absolutely right um that that garbage and the I mean this is entirely an environmental issue I mean it's simultaneously and it's really hard to separate the two oftentimes is that it's an it is an indigenous and colonial issue and it is an environmental issue because how often is it indigenous people who have to like step up when it comes to environmental issues right yeah I agree I think you know just the ultimate fact that this is a sacred site and they still build on top of it it's just you know atrocious you know totally. uh, if, if somebody tells you this is sacred for them just, just don't touch it you know and they're still building and you know this is like you said the right. 13 telescope and you know and the, you know how big they want to be and all you know it, it, to me it's just like it's colonization of the military and then colonization through the university or the the you know these in institutions you know the uc systems and everybody else and it's it's like hawaii is just uh, uh, fighting back uh, very different on all different avenues. So it's, it's really heartening to hear all these things are happening. To me, I, I, I'm honored to have been to Mauna Kea, you know? So it's just uh, hearing these stories is, is you know, it's, it's hard. Um, do you want to move right. to the US Department of Interior and Federal Recognition or do you want to continue to Mauna Kea? Um, um really quick before before we move on and you know for you know for your audience and everybody listening especially like whoever is of like my people because i definitely want hawaiians to you know to, to hear this episode and to you know so i listen to your podcast but you know every single one of these issues could take up an entire episode at minimum by themselves there's so much that could be told and but, but what i do want to mention specifically is that you know um, the the occupation protest camp, whatever you want to call it, it was ultimately uh, it really was a puhonua uh, or a a place of refuge. Like what happened up there in the sense of what how Hawaiians and the community and locals and you know and people from all over how we 
yes, came together, but what was established up there is something that is really worthy of consideration is that, you know, we, it was, it was very, it was socialistic, you know, in that sense that of how there was, you know, we had, we were doing, we were doing free healthcare up there. We had free education, you know, it was, we had free food. We had people camping out there and staying and, you know, there's still, there's, I think there may still be Kia'i or um, protectors, guardians, whatnot, uh, what have you up there who are still holding it down and like they're like the night's watch you know what i mean like they're they're they don't trust the state not to try and pull something sneaky so like they're still we still have eyes up there who are still holding holding it down and and yeah so that's really something worth considering when it comes to you know the conversation about communism and socialism and what that means for indigenous people um but yeah i just i definitely wanted to make at that point before we move on to the Department of Interior. Yes, and I, yeah, you're 100% you're correct. This uh, topics just, you know, like the Red Hill and the Mauna Kea or ones that could be episodes on themselves. And even the conversation we're gonna have now about federal recognition, I think we actually have <laughs> on the list that it could be a whole episode um, because um, you know, I feel like there is, so, you know, it, the, the the federal recognition, the, there, there's so much to to this. So I think it was in 1993, I, I have on the list that Bill Clinton apologized for the occupation or for the right. takeover of Hawaii. And, you know, uh, like I said earlier, there's a lot of similarities that have happened the conversation to indigenous people of Hawaii compared to the the mainland, and um, but it's weird. It's weird that there was blood quantum in Hawaii when there was no recognition, no 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 federal recognition of it. To me, can you right? What what is your uh, uh, stance? Or what 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 is the conversation in 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 Hawaii about federal recognition right now? Okay, so, and this is again another one of those like an entire can of worms on their own. And the reason that I included this on the list is because just prior to um, Mauna Kea in 2015 um, was when the, the U.S. Department of Interior came and held hearings um, all around Hawaii on the possibility of a, an administrative rule change making opening up the possibility for the Department of Interior to recognize and go into relations with a quote-unquote native Hawaiian governing entity um, and largely you know by and large um, the response was like a resounding no like that was probably one of the most like unified voice I mean really this yeah this really was like one of the most like biggest steps of, of towards unification of hawaiians um that we had seen since maybe since 1990 1993 and i really felt that at the time and then when mauna kea happened afterward like that we really this was really one of the really the first times that we as a people were all in one place at one time even if it was multiple hearings on every island you know looking around at each other and being like hey we're all saying the same thing here and it's no and 
I didn't realize that there were so many of us actually. And I think that's what really like galvanized us as a people and as, as, as a movement for Aloha and whatnot um, to, and how we felt like, okay, maybe we can actually show up on the Mauna, you know, like subconsciously even, because people just started coming. So, I mean, that's a little bit of a, um, of an aside, but so in order to understand those DOI, those DOI hearings, what you have to understand is what's known as the Akaka bill and, um, and, and efforts such as um, Na'iyao Puni and Kana'iyao Lavalu and Kawinoa. Now these are all basically versions of attempts to reorganize or and form a quote-unquote native Hawaiian governing entity that would be like a domestic dependent sovereignty and like sort of like a cobbled together fake Indian tribe. Like I know that you've talked about it a lot about fake Indian tribes, but we're talking, but the, in, this, in this sense, um, it's not exactly that. It's because it's like the state and the feds trying to make a little box for us to kind of, to, to kind of shut us up, you know, like give us like toy sovereignty, um, which, because it would have been like even less than any of the treaty arrangements that any of the recognized tribes had. That's something really important to understand. Um, but also, what a lot of people, and rightly so, took it as is as an attempt to extinguish our claim to our independence. Um, so Daniel Akaka, for whom the Akaka Bill is named, he was a one of two senators from Hawaii who were in office for like a really, really, really long time. Um, Danny Noy and Dan Akaka. And so Dan Akaka, he put together a bill for something along these lines to create like a Hawaiian a Hawaiian entity a Hawaiian government so we can have this and he's been trying to he had been trying to get that through the Senate like for years and I think there was by by the year 2000 or so was when there was like Kauinoa which was like a, a native Hawaiian role and they were trying to get Hawaiians to sign up and register as as Hawaiians and and so there were efforts, there were like a couple of different efforts um, by like the Office of Hawaiian Affairs to put together such a thing. And and so there was, there was Na'iyao Puni, which was a something of a constitutional convention. And there was legal challenges to, to that as well um, from Hawaiians. And um, supposedly a, a native Hawaiian governing entity, like a constitution, was was formed but like this effort aside from the money that went into holding the convention like this wasn't funded on any level like there was no it kind of it kind of went it kind of went nowhere um but that's what's happened before with these kinds of efforts it's kind of meant to uh, they've been kind of meant to like give us something to occupy our time with but not really promising anything remotely close to like a return to independence or anything like that <laughs> Yeah, to me, it seems like that's the that's the move for um, within the U.S. is to kind of stop the independence movement. I'm really cautious about people that say to reopen treaty negotiations with the U.S., you know, because I feel like uh, the U.S. legitimizes itself 
to the trees. Right. Right. And I, you know, and I 100%, I feel like, uh, I think if we open treaty negotiations, it has to be how we can undo colonization. I, I, I don't even think, that I, I, to me, it's hard. It's hard because like, oh, this thing that the thought of opening treaty negotiations, like what are we negotiating? Why are we negotiating with the seller state? Just give it back, just give it back, right. give it back everything. And, uh, you know, I think th that's what the U.S. And I think that's what the, the, the sellers did from the very beginning. If you really think about it, they legitimized themselves via treaties. And uh, I, I think it's a double-edged sword. Now, fast forward, you know, uh, 400 years, 500 years, and uh, these treaties have given us sovereignty, but at the same time, you know, they they are they legitimize themselves via the treaties. So, you know, uh, I, I'm an advocate for sovereignty, but at the same time, I'm not I'm an advocate for being a the, the, the domestic dependent nation to the U.S. You know, and I think there there has to be a way out of this domestic dependent dependency uh, from from the U.S. So, you know. Uh, before when when the U.S. took over Hawaii, and we'll have that episode. You know, um, it, it, we you know the Hawaii had a monarchy, right? So you know, I think right. the question that w w has to come up is, you know, when it comes to the colonization of, of Hawaii. Now, you know, we, I'll ask you this right now: what 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 your vision of that is? But are there people <laughs> at the same time? Are there people that want to bring back that monarchy? Because when I was there, sorry, I'm so I'm sorry. Before I stop, you know, when I was there, you know, there's the I, from from what I, I understood, there was the lawful Hawaiian government. I think that's what they're called, right? Right. And you know, talking to local natives, like just like any other native community, <clears throat> excuse me, there was um, <clears throat> there was um, oh, we're we're the, we're we're the lawful ones. No, we're the lawful ones. And I was like, you know what, I'm just. <laughs> I want to sit back and not, you know, take sides or right. Yeah, right. So, um, to answer your question, okay. Well, where, where do I start with this? Let's see. Because my personal thoughts on the matter, like what I actually really have to say about how that we should proceed with that, is it's it's not something it's not a sentiment or an opinion that it, it's unheard of basically and i'll, I'll we'll get into that <laughs> um but that would be to say that within the independence movement overwhelmingly the sentiment is to restore is to restore the nation state itself you know that is one thing that is for them that is for the most part agreed upon there are there's a there are people there have definitely been claimants to the, the throne quote unquote um or, or figure the, the figurative throne who claim through through lineal descent in one way or another um to this family or that family um family line um who claim to be you know like the heir to the throne or whatever but one of the flaws in that argument is that because you know hawaii was the form of government was a constitutional monarchy with a bicameral legislature um it doesn't really work like that you can't just be like oh because i'm descended from such and such and such that means i should be 
you know, there's 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 a good handful of people who attempted to claim that, but I, by and large, except for maybe like small groups of followers here and there, or no followers at all, like those individuals are not necessarily taken seriously within the broader independence movement itself. Um, the larger, I don't want to say factions, but um, entities bodies shall we say or for example like like yeah for example the the lawful hawaiian government which um i was i myself was a part of and that's a that's a whole nother story but there's also um like the council of regency and doctor and like david kanusai who does a lot of work who's done a lot of work with like the international court of justice and and his has been making headway um within the international courts and from what I've seen, um, as far as restoring the nation state itself, you know, as, as far as like um, international rela relations and international politics, like the most progress has been made through Keanu Sai. However, there are other, other entities, you know, claiming to, who, who call, refer themselves as the kingdom, one of which is one of which is based here on um, uh, on Hawaii Island, and I believe that they do have I think they do have someone who go who goes up to the, like the UN, for example. And this is one of those things where, just like other historical independence movements, where you have multiple, shall we say, factions, you know, and uh, we all kind of agree that we want our country back, but the the means by which and the avenue, you know, is not necessarily agreed on. But, you know, there's not, like, too much, like, hard rivalry or resistance against each other, you know. Um, and also, you know, there's... There are, there are differing schools of thought as to whether... You know, political decolonization what was the right avenue or deoccupation and like the laws of occupation in Geneva and whatnot. Um, like that's kind of the route that Keanu Sai goes or, for example, like the LSG has, you know, from when I was in there, I think know that there were definitely attempts at um, at, at diplomacy with uh with other with uh, with with certain nation states and also with um with tribes in the u.s um but and i think and and i think that the lhg I, I have more experience with them but it's been it's been a few years so i can't really speak too much on what they've been up to more recently because I don't really hear a whole lot of them about them making moves a anymore. Um, but yeah, I hope that th does that give you kind of like a, a, a basic overview, you know, of, of the movement of, uh, of the movement as far as like the, the, the position on monarchy, because as far as I know, most of the major players are not necessarily looking to put a king or queen in onto the throne like immediately. There, there, there's a lot more effort. There's been a lot more effort on, say, 
forming other aspects of the government like with the lsg like what they had mainly focused on is putting is putting back the putting the legislature back together where you also have like you know prime minister and um other you know the other cabinet ministers um save for me maybe the, the the minister of defense and where you have like the council of regency where keanu sai is um I think he goes by the title of like the regent or something. And then there are other, there are other cabinet ministers or like seats that are filled of um, like the, like, yeah, like the, like the executive cabinet, shall we say, but no one has made any, what I consider to be serious attempts aside from individual claimants at restoring like the monarchy in and of itself and it's really hard to say how how many people are firmly in favor of like picking somebody who's alive right now to be like the king or the queen like personally and this is my personal sentiment is that everyone that i've seen trying to claim the throne has not been worth taking seriously honestly um that's that's my personal feeling on it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, just like any community, there's always different aspects, different perspectives of why sh how, you know, the community should move forward. Uh, even, you know, with the Comanches, there's different opinions. Uh, so, so what I would ask you, what's your, what's your vision of decolonization? How do you see the best move forward in your perspective? I, I, I ask you too because you're also right. you're also a communist, right? So right, <laughs> yeah. So right. So with that in mind, and I know that a lot of times that you ask folks when they come on, like, oh, like political, especially when they're the more like communist, socialist um, oriented episodes, like, how do you how do you identify? You know, like, what are you? Um, and it's only become more recently that I felt that I've read enough theory and read enough theory to be like solidly able to say like, you know, if anything, like, you know, I have a lot more, I definitely have a lot more theory to read, but the only, like, I, I feel comfortable enough to like openly identify as Marxist Leninist, you know, um, I personally, I don't have major beef with or like major issues at this point in time with say anarchism um, or, or, or you know ancoms in particular you know um, and in, like in like in Hawaii for example like the left is is not I don't consider it fleshed out for me to be like to like point finger point fingers and like call people revisionists you know what i mean <laughs> um but at that at that i am definitely not a monarchist and i personally i'm not even sure if whether or not i believe that um that the kingdom structure as it as it existed in 1893 at the time of the overthrow which most people you know most people in the movement who are firmly and for, you know, independence, like most people get behind the kingdom. And 
because that was our, you know that was our nation state we had actual you know actual international recognition as a nation state embassies you know like diplomats all that you know we got we were recognized by the big three world powers at the time you know first like uh america you know france united states you know the british empire we had that and that's not that's nothing that's nothing to sneeze at you know however there are also issues in my estimation with with recognition politics you know i do truly feel that as far as like um sovereignty like you know the first person who that needs to recognize us is ourselves we need to recognize ourselves <laughs> but um at that the best the best way that i can describe it is that you cannot have socialism and communism without decolonization. You cannot have Marxism without decolonial thought because or else you end up with Western chauvinistic socialism, you know, and that in, in itself is a problem. And I know that you've discussed that at length with multiple people. But to that end, I guess the best way I can describe it, and, you know, I've been thinking about this question, like how to answer this question on on the show for for weeks now like from even before like i even you know got in touch with you like how would i answer this question you know and it's what it really comes down to is that it has to be like an indigenous proletarian movement you know it has to be composed of the native you know the native people the indigenous people but also i think that it because we are still a minority in our own homeland like some consideration and some room needs to be made for like locals, especially, and I've been talking more, especially like the locals who are not Hawaiian, who um, who descend from the plant, the, the the plantation, you know, immigrant labor, who were brought in to work the plantations, like from kingdom times all the way through after the overthrow. You know that there's some. I, I think that there is some consideration that should be given, but ultimately it should all come back to the land. You know, like allegiance should be to the land first. And as long as that is the bottom line, then then we can then we can work things out. Like, do you like how much do you really love Hawaii? Like, not just like tourists kind of go, oh, I love Hawaii. I love going to Hawaii. Like, like really like because I mean, and as an indigenous native person, you can appreciate this is like it's not just about blood. It's not just like and, and community is important, but just as important as like, you know, blood and you know ancestry and ancestors and and community is our allegiance to the land like there is an olelona eao or a um a hawaiian proverb or poetical saying it's um he he kanaka. that means uh, roughly you know basically translated is you know the land is the chief and and man or humans are its servant um, aina is is our word for land, and that basically means that which feeds. Um, ai is word for is is our word for food. Like it literally means that which feeds us. We have and we have a familial reciprocal relationship, and so ultimately, regardless of the form of government, um, the land has to be first. Um, and and something that's also too that needs to be considered is that you know there is. There is Hawaiian bourgeoisie, you know, like we had a highly stratified class or caste system prior to Western contact. And, you know, the chiefly classes are what became, you know, or they, they stayed, they maintained their position through the kingdom. And it wasn't until it really wasn't until like the overthrow that everything really got shook up and turned upside down. 
And at this point, pretty much, you know, pretty much all Hawaiians have some traces of chiefly blood in them now because a lot of of the people who survived, you know, all the disease that 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 was brought between 17, 1778 when Cook showed up and say like 1897 when there was the Kuei petitions where the, the population dropped from like somewhere around 800,000 to like 40,000, you know, we all had to kind of mix and mingle at some point just to preserve the, to, just to preserve the race. Um, and so like, I really, like, like I said, like a balance needs to be struck between working class Hawaiians, working class locals, and pretty much like the, like the upper really rich Hawaiians need to get on board and be basically be class traders <laughs> because um, one of the issues that I see with returning to the kingdom nation state without um without class analysis and without class consciousness is that we are going to end up with with basically like a regular neoliberal bougie class society and that's not going to work because we had there's so i okay i'll put it this way one of the number one things that i have become really concerned about within the last few years is the possibility that even once we were to say get our country back you know, um, and we have some form of independence, but we would end up quite possibly like, like, like South Korea, for example, where we have like a nominal independence, but the occupation isn't technically over and we're still economically a neo colony. You know, I'm very, very, very concerned about that. And, <clears throat> and that if we go about, if, we, if we're not careful, and it's not like a revolution in, in the Marxist sense, you know, like that, that's what's going to happen. Um, and, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that sense, because, you know, like the, the mass line, you know, we got to, we got to get out there and educate and agitate and, you know, like, and agitprop and all that. Um, but before, before I go too far down that hole, the way I would phrase it is this is, I would prefer that we remain uh, a kingdom in name only, because I don't really necessarily think that it's, I don't think that it's necessarily necessary to throw out, like say, the aesthetics or, you know, a lot of the history that goes on, you know, because we're proud of our history and the, and our anti-colonial resistance and of the vehicle that is the kingdom, you know, we shouldn't necessarily throw that all throw that all out, you know, baby with the bathwater. You know, we still love the memory of our ali'i and our and our monarchs because our ali'i actually did everything they could to take care of us. You know, like they weren't that this was not a monarchy that needed to be overthrown by an actual people's revolution because you know there was. There was a there was a relationship between the the chiefly classes and the commoner classes, and that was one of reciprocity and responsibility. You know, and now that's a cult that's a cultural trait. You know, that's what separates um, that's what separates us from being like a totally being classified as a totally feudal system. I mean, there's a number of reasons why we wouldn't actually like we categorically would not count as a feudal system. Um, even prior to Western contact, but one of the major things about it is that there was 
a relationship of responsibility between the chiefs, between the commoners, and that was to maintain the land and to maintain balance with the natural world. And it all centered around kuleana, which is our word for uh, for for responsibility. It also means like your rights, uh, a right, but but mainly is is responsibility. So with that, the the idea that I've been fomenting for a long time is the idea of a kingdom in name only. And if you make that into a into like an, an acronym, that's a, that that's K I N O Aquino, and that is the Hawaiian word for a body. Now. One of our Hawaiian historians from the 19th century, David Amalo, he talked about um, like the government and like the nation as a body, right? Where you had the head, like the po'o, the head was like was like the the mo'i, the the, the king or the, the chiefs, you know. And then you had also, and you had like the shoulders, which was I want to say like um, like the kalai aina, like and and um, Possibly, okay, I, I'd have to look at this again, but you have, like, say, you have the, the left hand and the right hand, you have the fishers and the farmers, you know, you have the, you know, you have the, the, the warriors and you have, and you have, like, the, the intelligentsia and things like that. And, at you know, at a cursory glance, that actually sounds like a, a highly, maybe not socialist, but a socialistic organization you know like uh, you know societal organization and i think that's something that could be that that could work and could be looked into because you look at even like the soviets right the workers council most people don't a lot of folks don't even realize that the word soviet means like workers council so there's a lot of potential to reorganize society in a more in a much more democratic way than just say a bicameral legislature and basically mimicking the mimicking the United States or the British Parliament or what have you and because that's one of my major that's one of my major self-criticisms of of the kingdom structure is that at the time you know our chiefs were being advised by missionaries and missionary descendants and the goal was to be to, was to modernize and restructure ourselves in a way that would secure us recognition and would protect our independence and our sovereignty right and so we had to we had to christianize and we had to be like the imperial nations and i don't think that at this point in time that i don't think that we should continue to to mimic the way that okay what is basically at this point in time an archaic and colonial form of government i think we can do a lot better than that and i really do think that socialist pro like the like the, the actually existing socialist projects over over the course of of history especially i mean what like since marx wrote capital <laughs> but you know these actual existing socialist projects especially the ones that are continuing to exist and to like to look at, at the at these models and to and to take what works and to adapt you know adapt marxism marxism leninism to the material conditions that exist in hawaii and to take into due consideration our own our own history and our own identity one as a nation state and two as an indigenous people because there another issue that's come up is that that's happened over the years is that there's kind of there has been something of a split 
unspoken, you know, between, say, like, the political people and, like, you know, the activist folks types and, like, the cultural practitioners. And that's something that was actually really groundbreaking breaking about the, um, about the Mauna Kea movement is that this was one of the first times where you had the cultural practitioners and the political activists coming together on an issue and, like, and not arguing with each other, you know, standing together and, and actually approaching and attacking the issue and operating like strategically and tactically from both a, a culturally grounded and, and, and politically aware um, strategy. Yeah, you sound far away right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to, to step away real quick, sorry. Um, well, yeah, this stuff way my computer, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, um, okay, what, 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 did, what did you miss? But for the most part, for the most part, does that, does, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, people would just have to, like, turn up the volume a little bit and they'll be fine. <laughs> but it's yeah, so, sorry, how much of that got really quiet? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on, I just muted myself. Okay, here we go. So, you know, I think um, you, you talked about... Uh, that there's still descendants of the um, plantation owners that are on, on this island, and we'll we'll get into the uh, other um, workers, workers. Oh, workers. Okay. I, well, yeah, yeah. The, the, I think the point I was trying to make is that um, back then, you know, during the overthrow, the the bourgeois, the non-native, the white American bourgeoisie were in right. cahoots with the the American government. And with the military, we overthrow yep. the kingdom of Hawaii. And I think the first senator, uh, if I see the notes, was uh, Stanford B. Dole, something like that, which was the cousin of the okay. uh, for the fruit company guy. The point I'm making is like, it's like the bourgeoisie are going to be, um, they benefit from the current right now occupation of Hawaii, you know. Um, so, you, like for example, Mark Zuckerberg that bought a bunch of land in Hawaii, right? So, you know, right. we, we have, you know, I think we have to be realistic that they 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 do, they do not want, um, uh, you know, liberation or decolonization of Hawaii, especially especially Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> but you know, we you know, right. uh, so getting a solidarity to you know, with the native people of Hawaii to, to decolonize Hawaii is super important. But, you know, it, it's at the same time, it's disheartening that like, uh, you know, professors at, at, you know, university that were defending the telescope, uh, you know, you're, you're getting colonization through all avenues, like, you know, capitalism, military, the university systems. And I, I just, I just hope that people listening can understand that, you know, the, the US government, you know, during Bill Clinton's days, they apologized for, for the coup. And, but you can apologize all day. What really matters is right. that your actions, right? If you acknowledge totally. your faults, you should undo your actions. So I think right. the proper thing to do for the US government is to get all the military out of Hawaii, right? And, you know, and let the local indigenous Hawaiians, uh, you know, uh, make their own government 
and you know without interference but we have capitalism you know colonization military colonization totally so yeah it's it's just uh never, it's like people with power never will, will, uh, willingly give up their power you know totally. especially capitalists <laughs> so yeah uh I, it's you have, any, you have any, anything to add uh yeah so um I just, I guess, uh, a couple of points on, on on what you just said. So, yeah, um, you are you are correct that the the economic power structure that exists um, from, like, say, the Big Five. Actually, that is what they were called. Is um, all these these large sugar corporations that were started by you know the descendants of missionaries who were uh, the, the main ones behind the behind the overthrow um the, a lot of the a lot of them they they totally still exist they're they're a lot of their um descendants are still rich <laughs> um what i what i was talking about um the point that i was trying to make was about um the the descendants of the plantation workers you know whether they be you know like chinese koreans Filipino, you know like people whose families ha are not from here have and have but have been here for some time um i feel that they have that these folks who identify with with hawaii and if you love hawaii enough you know you need to get behind us we, you know like the hawaiians and there's entire there's an entire book about it um it's called asian settler colonialism by uh candace fujikane there's a whole there's a whole very very interesting book about about that issue but People gotta just get behind the Aino. Um, but I, cause the way it seems sometimes is that it can feel very, uh, like the movement can be very Hawaiian centric. And that's because, you know, we've been marginalized and our identity has been exploited and, you know, and, and all that for, for decades, um, you know, a couple hundred years now, um, roughly. Um, but you're absolutely right as far as you know, the bourgeoisie, like the American capitalist class bourgeoisie, and you have folks like Zuckerberg, who, as a, who, speaking of Zuckerberg, he just made the news again because he donated like $50 million to the University of Hawaii, you know, woo. <laughs> um, but then, or you have like Oprah, for example, who's another one who has like a large, who has like a bunch of land on, I want to say, like Molkai or something, Larry Ellison, who is like the CEO of Oracle, I think he bought like he he bought the island of Lanai, um, <laughs> the whole damn island he bought. You have a question. Um, so, is there a, like a limit of how how much people can buy? Because from what I read, that like Zuckerberg bought like a stupid amount of land, and it pissed you know people off. Uh, like, or is it just like free for all capitalism? You know, as long as you have the money, you can buy it. It is free for all capitalism. The only, like, the real resistance that you're going to get is going to be from Hawaiians because the way I understand it is that he I, he tried to quiet title a bunch of families, and that's and that's when people got really got really mad. Okay, so I have another question. So uh, when I was in Hawaii, you know, uh, we you know the locals. Uh, I went to university for the purpose of talking about language, you know, how they revitalized the right. language. 
And I think we talked about this before. And uh, there's one there's one thing uh, that I saw is that there were a lot of non-Indigenous Hawaiians. Uh, they were fluent in speaking mm -hmm. Hawaiian, which is a good thing, right? Bringing back the language back. Um, but uh, some of them will, will call themselves, they'll say, hey, I'm Native Hawaiian, but I'm not Indigenous to Hawaii. And I found that kind of odd. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if you give me your perspective on that. <laughs> I've never heard I've never heard that one before. Um, <laughs> there are there is definitely issues with um, what means like like what Hawaiian actually is, right? Because there are there is definitely people who are ethnically blood Kanakamali who don't look Hawaiian necessarily, you know. But there, and then there's also locals who, you know, that who I, what I consider, you know, like locals in the sense where they're not, they're also not ethnic Hawaiian. Um, um, and when you say Hawaiian, there's kind of an unspoken understanding that when you say Hawaiian, it implies Native Hawaiian. Um, and so, yeah, what, what is but it, there the, are people who, sorry, yeah, when, he, when he said that, I was just like, Fucking excuse me. <laughs> it was just like I was just like, what? And to me, I, I was trying to There's look, a lot of Yeah. Go ahead. There's a lot of confusion around these terms because there's also like there's the common understandings of it, which is like kind of what I'm going on right now. But then there's also like there's like kingdom, there's like kingdom law and within the sovereignty movement sort of understandings, right? So like because it was even even within kingdom laws, it was kind of laid out like what means what. Like Kanakamali means you are ethnically, you know, like you are ethnically indigenous, you know, of this land, right? You know, Native Hawaiian actually means that you were born in Hawaii, right? And 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 Hawaiian just means that you're like a Hawaiian kingdom citizen. Okay. So that's what it meant before before the overthrow. But now that that's changed to mean like that in common understanding when you say Hawaiian that implies native Hawaiian and then even the term native Hawaiian um, the definition has changed because for a while capital N native Hawaiian meant that you had 50% blood quantum for like Hawaiian homelands which is in itself a whole another conversation that we haven't even touched and that's where the blood quantum arg argument comes in or the whole blood quantum like issue comes in and then small and native hawaiian meant that you are descended from the peoples who populated you know the hawaiian islands prior to western contact right and i want to say within the last 10 years that got switched around and so now capital n native hawaiian means um means that you're that you're indigenous and you have ancestry pre captain cook um, and small and native Hawaiian means you have you have 50% blood quantum for Hawaiian homelands. And then it gets and then there's the whole confusion about how people where like people, especially like Americans from America, think that I can move to Hawaii and be Hawaiian because it's like being Californian or uh, an, a Los Angelino or a New Yorker. And, and even, you know, the most recent thing that came out is. Um, BJ Penn, you know the the MMA fighter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so BJ, right? And I think you saw that I that I that I posted about this on Instagram. So BJ, um, 
he posted like, you know, if you love Hawaii, you know, you love Hawaii, you're Hawaiian. And there was a lot of clapback about that, especially from people who are Hawaiians who are in the movement and especially uh, and also academics, you know, in particular, like who I saw, um, I think Jamaica Osorio tweeted something about that. And personally, I think that the handling of this could be better because, you know, like BJ, you know, I guess, so I guess supposedly he's running for governor. I don't know if he's pulled papers, but he's announced. Um, and I know that BJ, he, he, you know, he was up on the Mona, you know, he's, he's been learning about, you know, kingdom history and sovereignty. And even if he doesn't necessarily know all the right terms and the way the real, like the breakdown is of the legal definitions, like he means, I, 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 I do believe that he means well, he just doesn't know as much as I feel like he should to be making statements like that. And that's a really dangerous statement because like we do have, we have a lot of settlers, like recent settlers from America, especially they want to come here and they want to claim to be Hawaiian when they don't actually know what they're talking about. And there's even, you know, on, on that one post that I put up where it was like a, it's like a screenshot of a shot of like I messaged somebody what I thought about it and responding to someone's story. Like, there's somebody who, and I really don't want to name names because I don't really want to platform the guy or draw any more attention to it's him okay. than, yeah. than necessary. <laughs> yeah, <don't. laughs> but like this dude, like he's, he's like, he ethnically he's Okinawan and which is, which is all well and good. You know, I mean, he's, he, he's, he does stuff in the name of the kingdom and claims to be, now here's where it gets problematic is he claims to be Kanaka. And even though, like, the dictionary definition of Kanaka means that just, like, a human person, there's also what's, like, inherently implied by using that term. When you say Kanaka, you mean Kanaka Maoli, and that means ethnic Hawaiian. Even though he knows what that actually means, or and he knows that he is not Hawaiian, but that's the level of complication that we have to deal with, with when it comes to the loaded term of Hawaiian, which is actually technically an English word, you know what I mean? Because we have a like we as a people have a name for ourselves in our language, which is Kanakamaoli, Kanaka Oivi. You know, <laughs> like it's it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, man, I talk about that on, on this podcast. You know, uh, I, I encountered somebody before. This it was like. Uh, He's like a hat, hit a hat on it, said native. And I asked him what tribe he's from. He said, hey, I'm native because I was born in the U.S. And I was like, uh, well, your hat has like like native-ish things, like eagle feathers, <laughs> you know, like little embroidery on it. I was just like, that implies Native American. You know, people are weird. Right. So what, you know, I can say, well, this person that, that I met in Hawaii, he gave us a tour I don't want to say too much. I'll tell you after the show, you know, and uh, he wasn't uh, indigenous. He wasn't Hawaiian. He he spoke the language, right? We, I, I, I think I, I know who you're talking about. Was this faculty? No, it wasn't faculty. No, but there was okay. faculty too. Faculty <laughs> that spoke uh, fluently. But they, they said themselves, I'm not indigenous Hawaiian. They said it, right? Right. So, uh, but no. I, and... Um, 
And when they, when, when that person said that, I was just like, you know, I, quite a few of us looked at each other. We're like, okay, like, oh, it's kind of weird. And we're, we're guests, so we don't really, you know, uh, right, push, right, push the envelope or anything. So I was just like, okay, cool. Um, we talked about this too, before, you know, before the recording uh, last time we talked uh, like a week ago. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate, um, you know, your perspectives. We have, uh, uh, I think maybe one or two historical Hawaii recordings coming up too. Um, and uh, I don't know if you want to do decolonization, a whole episode on that, or you, you are you happy with this one? Um, you know, honestly, I I would definitely like to do one where we where we talk more about the possibilities of decolonization and um and I and I'd love to like expound more on this idea that like this is literally the first time that I've ever really put it out into the ether. So I really hope that that people consider it. But I I'd love to I'd love to like soundboard and you know like flesh that idea out more because it does really it really does require a lot more conversation than um, than we're afforded the time here. I mean you know like this is just this is just the like the intro to a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm I'm I definitely agree that like at least a couple few more episodes are definitely are definitely in order at least to do like to get like a. A solid scratching the surface, even <laughs> of of Hawaiian history, you know, and and like the relevance in geopolitics today, you know. I agree, one hundred percent. Even when we were doing the, we have a Google um, documents share drive, and it, it just the uh, the history of Hawaii uh, notes. It has to be at least, I think, two episodes because there's a ton of things that need to be known about why we're in the, the the place we are now you know and it goes all the way to totally. you know go back to cook cat was his name captain cook you know and i think yep. uh <laughs> and, and if people you know honestly look into the history of hawaii it is very very interesting and just so much um and uh you know I, i'm very honored to you know have visited uh uh, three islands, and I, 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 I've, uh, I, to Mauna Kea, you know, to to meet everybody that I have, and and to have this this discussion with you. Totally, yeah. I'm really, I'm really glad that actually, as it turns out, that you have that you have been here. Like, like, I mean, it would have it would have been a great. These would have been great conversations, regardless. But the fact that you've that you as a native person have come here and and felt the land and seen it for yourself and and heard from and heard from people directly and now to be having this conversation within the context of of what you do and and yeah it's i mean it's it, it's all it, it's all very good and, I, and i'm super and i'm super grateful and you know honored myself to to even be allowed on the show and to be having this conversation like i feel like it's a it's a good it's a good time to to be having it and i, I hope yeah. that good things you know definitely come from this yeah uh, so people that are listening we'll have more episodes on hawaii it'll be like a mini series and we, yeah when we talk about the conversation i, I do want to bring up like uh, my experiences later on with like is it, is it called uncle rogers the market 
right? Uncle Roberts. Yeah. Uncle, Uncle Roberts, Roberts. <laughs> my bad. So, uh, yeah. No, no. Uh, yeah. So yeah, my experience there and, um, and, you know, we, the conversation the native people had that were with me after the day after, you know, and I think uh, I told you about it, but I think the, the listeners would like to hear too. Yeah. Thank you. Um, do you want to end this? Do you want to add anything else? Um, you know, I think what I will say is for anyone who is interested in doing further reading on, on Hawaiian history, I would recommend, I, I can throw out a, a few book recommendations off the top of my head. Um, one would be Hawaii Story by Hawaii's Queen by, by Queen Liliuokalani. Um, there's a book also called Aloha Betrayed by Noi Noi Silva, and that's about uh, Hawaiian resistance to annexation, and in particular, the Kua petitions. Uh, um, let's see, what else? There's a book called um, Nation Rising, which is a collection of essays covering a number of recent topics and, and, and history of, of movements from the 1970s onward, um, including Mauna Kea, uh, God. Uh, Asian Settler Colonialism uh, by Candice Fujikane. Also, uh, From a Native Daughter by Honani K. Trask. Um, Kumu Honani just passed away this past year and at this past Monday, which was, I mean, aside from MLK Day, it was also January 17th is the anniversary of the overthrow of the Hawaiian Kingdom. And this year, again, is the 129th um, episode. Um, I mean, I think that's a pretty good solid list of of yeah. books. If anybody caught all that, if you go onto Instagram or Twitter, there is uh, Oahu Water Protectors. Also on Instagram, there is Kanaeokana, which is K-A-N-A-E-O-K-A-N-A. Kaohevai, which is K-A-O-H-E-W-A-I. Aina Momona, which is a-I-N-A-M-O-M-O-N-A. -A -M -M -A. Um, let's see what else. And you can also you can also check me out on Instagram. Um, uh, my Instagram is Hokuulahema. That's H-O-K-U-U-L-A dot H-E-M-A. I I don't really make a whole lot of memes on my own. I mostly just share memes because me meme making takes time that I really don't have. Um, also, be on the lookout in the future. Um, I will be starting my own podcast, likely under the same name. But thanks to Rick here, Rick, I mean, thank you so much for helping me to like get my feet wet and you know, like, kind of put in the foundational stuff before you know, before I'm able to like do this on my own and expand into having these conversations with um, with folks with folks here. And like, really, what I'm hoping to do, and like, my intent with my intent with you know, starting up that public, you know, that public page on Instagram with with having this conversation and eventually moving into podcasting of my own is I really want to expose more Hawaiians and locals from our movement to to Marxism, Leninism, you know, um, and I want to also introduce, you know, make sure that there's a platform for for our leftists and our commie, our, our commies and our socialists and even like anarchists and MLMs and everybody to be more aware of Hawaiian issues because 
we have uh, we have a lot to to learn from each other, and I think our movements can only grow in solidarity. You know. Now I have a question. Um, totally. There was when I was doing, you know, like looking up the history of Hawaii, and I watched a documentary. You were in it. Do you want to like recommend that? Or... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'm a little embarrassed about it. <laughs> you okay, can. Man. I don't remember what it's actually called because I don't remember what's actually called because when I was told and when it was first filmed, um, it, I when I first heard what it was originally called, like it had a different word. It had a different title. I believe so i don't actually i don't really remember exactly what it's called so you'd have to be tell but i mean i will i will also self-crit again and say that i was i was i was really young at the time this was like when i was first getting into the movement and like i feel i get a little embarrassed when i think about it because i watch myself talking about how i'm like the only young person there which is not factually incorrect like i i was in the movement at a time where you know this was well before mauna kea and like you you'd go like go to like meetings and stuff and it'd mostly be like that that um that 1970s uh pko um and second renaissance generation and it was a lot of it was a lot of middle-aged and oldsters and there was only a couple people around at the time that i knew that i would see who was like under 30 you know like we were all like in our like early early 20s and really really just a few of us and it wasn't until like 2015 like three four years later that that like it was all of a sudden it was cool to like aloha aina and it was cool to stand up for you know and like to be an activist and to and to do all this stuff so i mean it's it, it wasn't i i it was not humble of me to say that i was ahead of the curve but i was not incorrect so if anyone would just bear with me because there's a lot of good information in there but i am also personally not with the lawful hawaiian government anymore I, i'll say that much yeah I, I don't i don't remember the name of the documentary i'll post it if i if i see it i i, I know i was right, watching right. it and i was like oh dude you look familiar <laughs> just, yeah. i was like oh, what, what the odds? yeah yeah <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, hey, what were the odds that, like, when come to find out that you had been here and that, like, I know personally, like, one of the the, the person who who took your group up to Mauna Kea and, like, I, you know, I've worked with him, like, very closely, you know, o over these years since 2015. And, uh, yeah, like, who would have thought? Like, <laughs> I always say, man, like, the Native community is small. So... Everybody, you know, knows, totally. knows somebody totally. that knows somebody, and it's just like tiny stuff. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> Don't, yeah, I'm not going to end the meeting. I'm just going to end the recording. And right, right, right. That's listening. I appreciate the the concerns from, you know, when I had COVID last week. Um, I'm still a little like, uh, my, my throat's a little sore. So I had to like mute myself a lot today during this recording and drink water. Um, I, I appreciate the concerns. The, the messages that I got. Um, just stay safe, you know, wear a mask, get vaccinated, and, um, you know, don't don't go out unnecessarily if you don't have to, you know. Um, I, I, you know, we will have uh, more Hawaii episodes, and uh, if, you have, if anybody has questions or if they want to come on and be 
like uh, guests with with you, they can. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll ask you first. You know, but um, I think uh, it was a good conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, totally. And um, I definitely, you know, we can talk about this later. I have I have other folks that I would that would that I'd love to like have as part of the as part of the conversation. We can talk about that later. But I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna just say ahiki ki aina hopeloa until the last aloha aina. Mahalo kako.